Welcome to It's a Good Life, a podcast dedicated to helping you live your best one. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, Brian Buffini here, and welcome to It's a Good Life. You know, in our last episode, I covered uh, good habits for a good year to get you off rocking and rolling to start your year. And the team thought it'd be great if I shared some of my best habits or things that are really helping me right now. And so I thought I'd share some of those as little how-tos and maybe some things to think about. And so I got a few things to cover with you today. First, I'm going to start with some bad habits I recently picked up. And just, you know, I'm human, just like you, and high-performance behaviors have periods of drift and periods of setback. And so I definitely picked up some bad habits during the COVID timeframe. I also want to share some good habits I picked up during COVID at the same time. I'm going to share my stuff, so hopefully it'll help you see where you're at. And then I'm going to talk about some five-circle habits. That's spiritual, family, business, financial, personal, for this brand new year that's in it, okay? So uh, I'm going to dive in here, be a little autobiographical, and uh, share with you some habits that, like all habits, by definition, as I talked about here recently, a pattern of behavior acquired by frequent repetition. We all drift into these habits. Any bad habit, I never intentionally said, I'm going to start this bad habit on Monday and see if I can do it for 30 days straight. I've never intentionally said anything like that in my life. We drift into bad habits and then we just do them again and again. Sometimes it's Pavlov's dog, as they say. Sometimes it's a comfort zone thing. Sometimes it's a default setting. And sometimes it's just a matter of it becomes, unfortunately, part of our routine. What I will say to you about bad habits versus good habits is that bad habits never have to be entered into the conscious mind and submitted to the subconscious mind. And we know that 80% of our actions come out of our subconscious or unconscious mind. What I will say is that to start a good habit, you actually have to introduce it to your conscious mind and do it so consistently that it then becomes formed in your unconscious mind. And so, some bad habits I picked up during COVID. First, I started spending too much time alone. Now, I am a guy who, in his younger days, never went anywhere alone. I never lived alone. I lived in a room with a bunch of brothers. When I moved out, I had a bunch of roommates. And when I moved out of roommates, I moved in with my wife, Beverly. And so I've never lived alone. When I'd go golfing, I mean, I would always have a foursome. I never played golf by myself. And so I never really experienced a lot of time alone. I never really took that time. And as I grew and as my responsibilities grew, I actually introduced it as a discipline to myself. You know, it's like, okay, I used to think, hey, you know, I should take this time, go for a walk on the beach and talk to Beverly or talk to whoever. And then it was like, no, 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 I'm actually going to do this for myself. It actually introduced alone time into my schedule years ago to the point that I eventually came to like my own company which wasn't always the case. So when COVID came along, because of the dynamics of COVID and lockdown and all those kind of stuff, I found out I was spending too much time alone. Now, my good friend, Dr. Henry Cloud, who's written some fabulous books, said there's a difference between solitude and isolation. One is connected and one isn't. Solitude replenishes, but isolation diminishes. So this is a great concept, and we could do a whole show on this, on the difference between solitude and isolation. 
Solitude is like when I go for the walk on the beach, when I do the journaling. If you're a person who prays or reads or meditates, that is actually uh, looking for solitude. And that replenishes, it restores and renews. Isolation, and as we become isolated from people, it diminishes. And I have watched this take place, and I've watched this for a lot of people. Now, I have a big family, bunch of kids, bunch of staff, bunch of clients. I'm recognized a lot of places I go. So it's hard for me to even find solitude sometimes. But I've also watched a number of people I know and love and care about who it's comfortable to move towards isolation. But you don't end up in a great place. And then it's harder to get out of there because you become circular in your thinking. And you can always see somebody who spent too much time with themselves. So I definitely started to do that. If you think about it, outside of the death penalty, the cruelest punishment they have for somebody is to put them in isolation. Solitary confinement is considered the harshest punishment for someone in the prison system. And they say the hardest thing about it is what happens to a person mentally. So I just think it's important that we stay connected to people. And so for me, that was one of the habits. And so what did I do? I'll talk about it in a minute. I made the commitment to connect and reconnect with some people. I've actually put it in my calendar. I've told my assistant once a month, I do a Zoom call with somebody who's a pal or a friend, whether it's back in Ireland from other days, from other seasons in life. And I've gone through my Rolodex and said, hey, put this person on schedule, reach out and say, let's like to connect with them. And I've had some fantastic conversations over the last period of time once I became aware that I had drifted into spending too much time by myself. The second thing, which is kind of ironic, is that I stopped journaling. Now, I've been a journaler for most of my life. I initially stopped journaling with the house fire I had in 2007. And the reason being is I had this big chest of all these journals I'd kept for years and years and years. And part of my thinking was, one, I wanted for me to be able to kind of analyze my own journey and go back and see where I am and where I'm at and where I was and what were the things I was struggling with. And I also thought it'd be kind of cool later on for my kids, and maybe this is narcissistic, but I thought it would be good for my kids if they ever wanted to dig into one of dad's journal and, uh, yeah, here's Mr. Success, but here was the things he was struggling with, and, you know, he's not too different than me. And um, that all went up in smoke in the fire. And what it did for me was it killed my momentum, and I really struggled with it ever since. But I've gotten into better habits of it and patterns of it and so on and so forth. What's been interesting about when I became a little more isolated, I stopped journaling, which would be one of the benefits of being alone by yourself. Because journaling is just so powerful. It's so powerful. What I find about journaling is it helps me to get clear. Clear thinking. And I I really think you kind of write yourself empty. It helps you to get clear. And so that's what journaling does for me. And And again, Who knows? Just got out of the habit of it and just got out of the routine of it. And then lastly, I got into the habit, and it's a very old Irish thing, a cup of tea and something sweet to finish the evening. Well, I know full well that, you know, when you're finished eating, you should finish eating. When people talk about the quarantine 15 and then the COVID 30 or whatever else, when COVID hit, I did the opposite, which is my nature, is I hit the gas and I went full blown and I was doing Facebook lives and multiple podcasts and I was out there broadcasting and talking to people and actually in a very short period of time talked to more people than I had in my whole life. During that period of time I was fitter and thinner than I'd been in a long time. It was after the crisis went by the adrenaline left and now a little bit of comfort in the evening and the next thing you know looking to relax and getting a cup of tea and something sweet. 
That has been a bad habit. And that is a bad habit that I'm now intentionally giving up because that baby, uh, let's just call it the sin that shows, if you know what I mean. Anyway, so during COVID, I just want you to know, yours truly, I picked up some bad habits. Now, at the same time, I formed some good habits. And so I'm going to build upon the good, re-examine the ones that need to be reduced or eliminated, right? So it might be, hey, I might have a cup of tea and something sweet on the weekends or something. You know, so you don't have to kill yourself or, or everything has to radically change. So good habits, I form real small stuff here, but I stopped charging my phone by my bed. So a lot of reasons for it. You know, when you have kids, you get the call in the night. But what would happen is if I was restless or I woke up and whatever else, I'd reach over and I'd click on the phone and here comes this bright series of lights. My good friend, Neil Pasricha, who's uh, speaking at our Peak Experience event this year, they did the study of how he said for the very simple, take your phone and turn it to dark all the time, like have that night setting because the light on the phone actually interrupts your circadian rhythm. What would I do? I start reading. I'd look at stories. Dave and Lally be getting content. I'm sending it to him. Hey, Dave, saw this great article. Didn't realize it's four in the morning. Dave's up with the babies <laughs> trying to put them back to sleep because the boss is sending them articles to put in for content at 4 a.m. And the next thing you know, I'm starting my day too early, interrupting my sleep cycle, so on and so forth. So a small little habit. I took the phone. I leave it on. So if there's an emergency or a phone call, I, I just put it in the bathroom. So I don't charge it in my bedroom. I charge it in my bathroom connected to the bedroom. The next thing was scheduling my workouts well in advance. Just really being disciplined about this and making non-negotiable appointments. So I have my trainer, Rico. My schedule right now with him is done through the middle of this year. And so well in advance, non-negotiable, and I really have to navigate around them. So they're kind of non-negotiable appointments for me. And so that's just a good thing for me to do because I always have more demand than I have capacity. By the way, when I don't do the workouts, I have diminished capacity to meet the demands. So I'm taking a proactive step. Here's the workouts, increase the capacity, and then the capacity can meet the demands. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I, I started reaching out to people I'd lost contact with. And so that's been something that's really been helpful. Reaching out to some folks that, you know, it just happens in life, especially with guys, I think, where we're doing business together and, you know, lots of reasons to talk and converse and good pals with somebody. And the next thing you know, that business venture or whatever else comes to a conclusion. And you, the thing you had in common, you're not staying in contact. And I've just a lot of good friends and, Colleagues like that, uh, people I played sports with, other things like that. Put it on my schedule, doing a, a Zoom call. And just once a month, I mean, not huge amounts, because I have a lot on my plate, but just people I've lost contact with that are pals of mine that I'm reaching out to and having a conversation with. And it's just been good, and it's been rewarding and illuminating. And sometimes you find you're going through the same stuff in life, and it's great to share. So those have been some of the good habits I have. Not charging the phone by the bed. Workouts well in advance, reaching out to people I lost contact with. Then the last thing, just uh, something to think about here, our five circle habits. And I'm going to share with you my five circle habits for this new year, okay? So spiritual, family, business, financial, personal. On the spiritual, uh, so I'm just going to give you what I'm doing, not telling you what to do. So what I did was I decided I want to read through the Bible in a year. Used to do that a lot, haven't done it in a while. So what I bought was called a one-year Bible, which is kind of an unusual dynamic. It's I'm a, you know, start at the beginning, finish at the end. And this is kind of broken up into many different books and Psalms and all kinds of things. 
You don't get great continuity with it. But what it basically is, is here's your things to read today. And if you read this every day, 365, you'll have read the Bible in a year. And it's set up to do that. So it's kind of a system for it. So I purchased a one-year Bible. I'm going to read the Bible uh, through uh, this whole year. On the family circle, just check in with each one of my kids every week. And so I've got my kids in all kinds of different directions and different states now and so on and so forth. And so I started doing this here recently, and I follow a little format. I know I'm habitual and a little anal, but, you know, hey, this is what the guys thought I should share. These habits are helpful for me. And so when I text or reach out to the kids, first of all, I start with what I appreciate about them, what I'm proud of, and just checking in. And uh, it's been interesting. My big, strapping, achieving kids all just seem to appreciate this something ferocious. You know, it's easy just to forget. It's easy to forget what you appreciate. It's easy to forget what you're proud of. So guess what? I started uh, texting the same stuff to my wife once a week. Believe it or not, that was the last penny to drop. And hello, turns out my bride could use a little encouragement also. And she's very thankful of the words and, you know, and, and I'm just checking in with her. And even though we see each other every day and we're sleeping in the bed together and we see each other, and we're doing this and doing that. It's amazing. You send a little text and how are you doing? And here's what I appreciate you. Here's what I'm proud of you for. And uh, just checking in. So I started with the kids and I expanded to me bride. Who knows? Maybe I'll even expand beyond that. Maybe Mr. Lally would might get a text. What do you think? I might say that till next year, though. That's don't want to overwhelm him. And then on the uh, on the business side of things, the habits for this year is really kind of two part. First is an intense focus on my schedule. And so what's happened uh, with me and my schedule? And this, you know, everybody goes through this in life. Is I become overly optimistic of my schedule, and so I have immense demands, lots of different opportunities and commitments on my schedule. And then I'll meet some, oh, yeah, let's get together. Oh, yeah, let's go for a coffee. Or, yeah, you know, because I'm so, I want to engage with people. I want to connect with people. And then I come back and Jeanette, my assistant, is going, what are you talking about? I mean, or I'll say, yeah, I want to get together with so-and-so. And she'll say, great, I got an appointment available seven months from now. And obviously, if I knew it was seven months out there, I'd never say, hey, let's get together and have a coffee. So a couple of things is really an intense focus on my schedule. And then non-negotiable gaps in my schedule. And clarifying it and classifying it as what? There's just things I need to have space in my calendar for thinking, for processing, and for catch-up. And so I have an intense focus on my schedule and then some non-negotiable gaps built into the schedule and not being overly optimistic with it. And of course, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is the daily prioritized things to-do list. And uh, I've stepped up my game on that to have a prioritized things-to-do list every day. So that's on the business side of things. Financially, just a tip here is constantly adjusting our home budgets. Now you go, man, you guys are doing good. You go, why do you need a budget? Well, you know, a budget can't just be a confirmation of our financial suspicions. It has to be something that's constantly managed. There's no amount of money you can't outspend. And, you know, in our situation, in our family, we have kids that have moved on to college, you know, we have in the workplace, we have grandkids, we have all these different things. So lifestyle changes throw out a budget. And I'm going to share a podcast on this later on. Part of the good life is, is uh, the good life costs money. And there's a difference between having a budget and a working budget. So a budget is, okay, here's my expenses and here's what I expect to pay. And the working budget 
is here's how it's playing out. And in my actual life, I have this budget, here's the plan, but then here's how it's working out. You know, Mike Tyson, the great philosopher said, everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face. Well, everybody can have a budget, but then how does it actually play itself out in your real life? So I call that a working budget. And a lot has changed in my life. A lot has changed in my circumstances. So I have to have a much more fluid application of the budget until I get my arms around the new normal. And so uh, on the financial side, that's that. And then uh, personally, for me, I've made a commitment once a quarter to do a health retreat. And so I used to do this once a year, and I'd go away and recharge the batteries and eat great food and have great exercises and, uh, you know, kind of think and plan and work on content and recharge the batteries. And I've decided once a year is not enough. So this new year, for my five circle habits, I'm doing one a quarter. And I'm, I'm going to pick some cool place where I can do intense workouts, eat real well, and clear the noodle. And I'll be better for me. I'll be better for my bride. I'll be better for my kids. I'll certainly be better for all of you, my staff, my customers, everything I do, because I'll be building up my capacity. My thinking will be at a high level. I'll have a great sense of clarity and preparation. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And in the past, you know, the high sense of responsibility I had when I was traveling and working, I always wanted to be there for the family. And now my kids are off doing their life. They're, they're well into their life. And uh, so I'm, okay, great. So I'm going to plan this accordingly, take the health retreat. Sometimes Bev will come, sometimes she won't. But once a quarter, I'll be doing that. So there you go. I've got uh, my own five circle habits lined up for the new year. I don't know if that's helpful or not. I'm just letting you know my stuff without uh, just kind of more provoke your thinking and challenge you to think through yourself. What, what are you going to do spiritually? What are you going to do with your family and relationships? What one habit or two can you do for your business or finances or personal? And if you noticed, I, I mentioned one or two things in each category. That's all you need for amazing enhancement. Because remember, if you, you have a habit in each one of these areas, those are five habits you introduce. That's extraordinary over the course of a year. So remember, our friend Aristotle, the good Irishman, said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. So those are my habits for the new year. And as always, we have a habit of finishing this show with my mother's Irish blessing. Welcome to The Good Life. We want to bring more good life to you. And the better your habits, the better your life will be. Thanks for joining me today. We'll catch you next time. God bless. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 